as we face those pressures, it does us tremendous good simply to consider what Jesus endured for us. We haven't yet resisted the forces of sin in the world to the point of shedding our blood as martyrs. We look to Jesus and we endure. Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. We're continuing our series, So Great a Salvation, and today coming to that topic of endurance. And Jonathan, how does looking to Jesus help us endure? Well, one of the very wonderful things about the life of Jesus and the incarnation of Jesus is that we understand that Jesus experienced human life, true human life on this earth with all of the challenges, with all the ups and downs, with all the trials and difficulty, and indeed the suffering that we endure. And so when we look to Jesus as our, our Lord and Savior and as our model of faith, we recognize that he is a true model for us. And when we think about suffering and endurance, we can never claim, well, my suffering is of a kind or of an order that Jesus you know, hasn't experienced and wouldn't understand. No, he's been through what we have been through and more, and he's, he's suffered so very terribly at the cross and endured that. And so we can look to our Lord and our Savior and the one who lives in us by his Spirit, and we can say, you know, Lord Jesus, please help me to endure this trial. Help me to endure even as you endured. And he's able to do that. And that is a wonderful comfort, a wonderful reassurance. It's, it's very strengthening for our faith. It certainly is. And so we're going to look a little bit more at that endurance today from the book of Hebrews. We are in chapter 12, focusing in on verses 3 to 17. So grab a Bible and join us there as we begin our message. Here is Jonathan. I think the most common prayer request I am hearing at the moment is the request for prayer for endurance. These are times that call for endurance and that challenge our ability to endure in trust and in joy and in faithfulness in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. You may remember that last week when we focused on those first two verses of Hebrews chapter 12, we were given a very vivid picture of the Christian life. We were given the picture of a runner on a track in the midst of a long race. And the writer called us there to run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking all the while to Jesus. In these following verses, the writer now delves further into this great theme of endurance, this very relevant theme of endurance, and this call to endure. He takes us into the deep waters of opposition and trial and suffering, and he shows us how we are to approach situations of pain and of difficulty, and how we are to endure as believers, how even we are to flourish as believers in and through such times. This is perhaps one of the Bible's key passages, if not the key passage, on how to understand trial and testing, how to face pain and suffering, and to do so as authentic followers of Jesus Christ. As in the previous weeks of this series, it, it just feels immensely timely that we have landed in this passage at this particular time in our series. We're together facing a, a season of unprecedented trial in our society. 
And many, even among us as a church family, are enduring real suffering because of this pandemic. Some have lost jobs. Some are facing real financial difficulty. Many are experiencing mental and psychological strain. These are times of trial and of testing. How do we endure, even flourish, as Christian believers in such a time? In order to answer that question, we're going to walk together through these rich and these very remarkable verses. They're not easy verses by any measure, but I think we're going to discover that if we take the trouble to grapple with them together in these next few minutes, they are going to become a treasure for us. How do we endure? How do we flourish in times of trial? Well, first, says the writer, consider Jesus, verse 3 again, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. All the way through Hebrews, the writer points us again and again and again to the Lord Jesus. He calls us to look to him and to find strength and encouragement as we do so in every season. He's called us to do that just in the previous verses that we looked at together last week at the beginning of chapter 12. And of course, the power of looking to Jesus is very obvious, especially when it comes to a season of trial. Jesus endured trial like none of us will ever have to endure it. He endured rejection, mistreatment, hatred, scorn, beating, abuse, even crucifixion. He endured it all in faithfulness. Here in verse 3 and verse 4, the particular type of trial that the writer has in mind is is not the trial of a global pandemic or, or an economic meltdown, but the trial of facing opposition from enemies of the gospel, the trial of facing hostility from sinners, as Hebrews says, even as Jesus faced such hostility. And of course, this remains timely for us in the present season. I I could be wrong about this, but my sense is that for the first few days of the crisis that has been unfolding, all that consumed anyone's mind was the coronavirus. And, And in a sense, for those first few days of the crisis, all our other problems and other tensions were kind of put aside for a bit. But now that we're seeing that this is actually a longer-term situation, now that we're getting into a kind of lockdown pattern of life, a very strange pattern, but a pattern nonetheless, you know, the old problems and the old tensions are coming to the surface again. Are you finding that? And actually, some of those problems and some of those tensions are now being made worse by the stress of the pandemic. Everyone's stressed. So if you've been facing opposition for your faith from a colleague or a family member, perhaps, I expect that the problem has not disappeared. Maybe it has actually intensified. And in any case, the wider social pressure and opposition that, that we may face as believers in society, that's not going to have disappeared when the pandemic subsides. The issues are all there, and we know 
that the pressure has been mounting in the public sphere for some time with public policy and with culture and law turning in a less and less friendly direction when it comes to the people of Jesus Christ and the word of Jesus Christ. And there's a real danger, isn't there, that we're going to grow weary and we're going to grow disheartened. There's a danger for us, just as there was a danger for those first readers of Hebrews. We might be inclined to read verse 4 as talking about something just a little bit different from verse 3. I think we sometimes read verse 4 as talking about our own internal struggle against sin in our own heart as believers. But, you know, I don't actually think that's the focus here in verse 4. Following on from the example of Jesus in verse 3... Here in verse 4, the writer is talking about the struggle that these believers have faced with the forces of spiritual opposition, sinful opposition in the world about them. In that struggle against sin in the world and opposition in the world, they followed in the footsteps of Jesus. But here's the difference. They haven't yet had to shed their blood. It hasn't got as bad for them as it got for him. We've seen through our study in Hebrews over the months that these believers are evidently facing some opposition for their faith in Jesus. They've previously been persecuted. We've seen that. Chapter 10 tells us as much. And they are evidently under some renewed pressure now. They're tempted, it seems, to, to give up, to throw in the towel. That's why Hebrews was written after all. But the writer says to them, as he says to us, just consider what Jesus went through. Consider what Jesus endured. Yes, you may have family members or colleagues who dislike your faith in Jesus. You, you may have colleagues or family members who give you a very, very hard time because you follow Jesus Christ. You know, I believe some listening even today will come from cultural and social contexts where your faith puts you at risk of real persecution. And although real persecution is not our wider experience here in Canada, we know that our culture is less friendly to the Christian faith than it once was. But as we face those pressures, to whatever degree we face them, it does us tremendous good, doesn't it? Simply to consider what Jesus endured for us. You know, when we choose to follow Jesus and we cast in our lot with him, we're not signing up for a life of ease or a life of popularity. Our Lord was persecuted. He was hated. He was reviled. He went to a Roman cross for us, and he calls us to take up our cross and to follow him in our day. We haven't yet resisted the forces of sin in the world to the point of shedding our blood as martyrs. And so we, we consider Jesus. We look to Jesus and we endure to endure, even to flourish in times of trial, we consider Jesus, and next we submit to God's training. Verse 5, notice it with me. And you've forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons, now quoting from Proverbs 3, 
My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. Why does God allow us, his children, to go through hard things? Why does our loving heavenly Father ordain that we should face trial and difficulty in this life? Surely if he's sovereign and surely if he's powerful, surely he could spare us all this difficulty and all these painful situations that we face. Surely he could spare us painful opposition. Surely he could have spared us this pandemic and its effects. Why does our loving Heavenly Father allow us to go through such things? And what is He doing in them and through them? You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths, a message called Endurance. We're taking a look at Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to continue this message in just a moment as we see how we endure even in times of trial. Well, if uh, you're maybe new to Encounter the Truth, maybe you've just found us recently, I want you to know you can always find out more about Jonathan and this program by going to our website. It's EncounterTheTruth.org. That's also a place to go if you ever miss a broadcast or you just want to go back and listen to Jonathan's teaching again. Our website address is EncounterTheTruth.org. All right, let's go back to the message. Again, here is Jonathan. Why does God allow us, his children, to go through hard things? And what is he doing in them and through them? Well, that's an important question. I don't think we can presume to answer it fully or comprehensively. I'm not going to pretend to try and do that this morning. We don't know all that God is doing in the midst of hard and painful circumstances. But Hebrews here gives us a flash of very deep and very significant insight, and we need to take hold of it. As the first readers of Hebrews faced trial and difficulty, the writer pointed them back to a well-known passage of Scripture to Proverbs chapter 3, and he reminded them of the profound wisdom of those verses. Don't grow weary, it says, when God brings discipline into your life. The, The Lord disciplines those he loves. He disciplines every son he receives. And then the writer tells these believers, verse 7, that they need to endure trial for the sake of discipline. Now, to take on board what the writer is saying here, we need to consider this word discipline and what it actually means. Often we think of the word discipline in terms of punishment. You know, a child does something wrong, they are punished for what they have done wrong. But while the word here can include that idea of punishment, there's no question, I think it has a broader sense, and it includes a more positive sense than mere punishment. The the word discipline here means something like training. The Lord trains up his children by means of discipline. Now, I mention that because it's important to see that in this discussion of discipline here in chapter 12, The writer is not assuming that the trials that these believers are facing have come about directly because of their sin. He's not saying, you know, you've done something very, very bad. God is punishing you. Toughen up. You know, take it on the chin. 
You've done wrong. Now you're getting your just desserts from the Lord. We don't really see that here, I don't think. The writer is saying that our heavenly father is a wise father. And as a wise father and a good father and a loving father, he sometimes allows us to go through some very hard and some very painful experiences. But he does that not for the sake of our destruction, but for the sake of our training, for the sake of our, our growth, for the sake of our godliness. And actually, when he allows us to go through such things, when he calls us to walk through a season of trial, here is what he is doing. He is demonstrating his love for us. Notice again, verse 6, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. I've mentioned this idea in this image before, but just consider for a moment the following scenario. You're in the supermarket doing your shopping. It's a bit of an event for you because it's the only place you're allowed to go at the present time. Anyway, you're in the supermarket. You're very pleased about that. You're walking down the, the, the candy and cookies aisle, and smack in the middle of the aisle, there is a child lying on the floor, kicking and screaming the place down. The child is clearly furious that his mother has said no to the jumbo box of chocolates that he wanted her to buy. It's a major scene that's being created. And as you try to walk by, kind of pretending that you haven't noticed what's going on, you, you, you think to yourself, well, you know, parenting is hard, and, and I, I feel for that parent. Maybe that child has some behavioral challenges. But, but you begin to ask the question, you know, I wonder, has that child been disciplined at home? Ha has that child been well-trained? Now, none of us would want to be judgmental. All kids have their bad days. We parents know that. But when a child has not been disciplined well, there, there is another question then to ask, and it's this question, has that child been loved well? You see, discipline, as every parent knows, it takes work and it takes effort. It is a major sustained investment in that child. Good discipline over time is a mark of loving parenting. And if a child is never disciplined, it's fair to ask the question if that child is well loved. If a child just grows up thinking that throwing a tantrum in the grocery store and shouting the place down when he doesn't get what he wants, if he grows up thinking that that's just acceptable behavior, that's how you get things done, well, he has not been well served by his parents. There has been a deficiency in their loving care of him. A loving parent takes time and effort and care to train up their child as best as they know how through discipline. But as we speak of discipline, we don't just mean punishment, and we certainly don't mean harshness. We mean careful training. And God is a loving father to his children. All true fathers discipline their children, verse 8. Human fathers do it, and we respect them for it, verse 9. And so shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? We should submit to him, not least because he knows what he's doing. As human parents, as fathers, we, we can get it wrong with our discipline. All fathers listening will identify with that. Sometimes, you know, we make the wrong call. We misjudge, mishandle the situation. 
But you know, God, he never misjudges the situation. Verse 10, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, always for our good, that we may share in his holiness. God's goal for us in his discipline of us is not that we would impress the neighbors with our outstanding and impeccable manners. It's not that we would impress the teachers at school with our flawless study habits. No, God's goal for us in discipline is that we would grow in holiness. It's sometimes been said that God cares more about our holiness than our happiness. And sometimes, hard as it may seem to us, he allows us to go through some very unhappy times, some grievous times that we might ultimately grow in holiness. That's, that's not a pleasant thing. That's not an easy thing. But the Bible never said that life as a Christian was going to be easy. Verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You know, God could spare us every trial that comes our way. He could smooth the path of life before us to make it pain-free, opposition-free, illness-free, conflict-free, pandemic-free, suffering-free. He could do that. But as a wise and a loving father who cares most about our holiness, most about that peaceful fruit of righteousness in our lives, he sometimes in his wisdom calls us to go through seasons of deep trial. And he does that for our good. Now that raises some questions for us. Questions for which I, I don't have a conclusive answer, I'll say right now. Questions like these. We, we might ask, is every trial a form of training, discipline, in the sense that we've been talking about? Yeah, how do I know if God is using a particular trial to address a specific sin in my life, to, to lead me to greater holiness in a particular area? We might ask those questions. I don't think we necessarily have a clear answer for them in every way. It's clear from the Bible that we mustn't presume that suffering is due to a particular sin. That's a very important thing to recognize. Let me say it again. It's clear from the Bible we must not presume that all suffering is due to a particular sin in our lives. You may remember that uh, in John chapter 9, Jesus saw a man who had been born blind and his disciples said to him, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born like this, that he should be born blind? That was their assumption. There's been some sin here that is in a direct way leading to this suffering. If there is suffering, there must have been sin. But Jesus, he, he rejects their reading of the situation. And he says instead, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. You know, God has purposes that you and I don't know, but we mustn't assume that suffering is a direct result of a particular wrongdoing. That's an important point to register. But I take it from Hebrews chapter 12, from the verses we're considering here, I take it that it's healthy for us 
whenever we go through trial or difficulty, it's healthy to ask this question. What might my loving Heavenly Father be teaching me through this? We have to pause the message right there. You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths, and our message is called Endurance. It's part of our series from the book of Hebrews called So Great a Salvation. And we're able to bring you Jonathan's teaching each day because of your generosity. See, we're listener-supported broadcast, and that's exactly what it sounds like. We depend on your generosity to keep this program on this station. But as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a book called Heaven, How I Got Here. It's the story of the thief on the cross. And it's a really great book to read if you want to understand what it means that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And because of that, you can receive his forgiveness in eternity in heaven with him. Uh, we'd love to send you a copy of this book as you give a gift of any amount. Give online at EncounterTheTruth.org or call us at 833-99-TRUTH. That's 833-998-7884 or again, EncounterTheTruth.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.